This is a Voice in the Wilderness podcast channel. The topic for today's episode is going to be the nature of evil. But first, a prayer. In the name of the Father, Son, Holy Ghost, Amen. All that I am, all that I have, all that I do shall be consecrated to the service, honor, glory, and exaltation of the Immaculate Heart of Mary, the Sacred Heart of Jesus, and the Heavenly Kingdom. In Jesus' name I pray, Immaculate Heart of Mary, please pray for us. Sacred Heart of Jesus, please pray for us. In the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Ghost, Amen. Before I get to the main topic, um, I make a point to tell my listeners that if I come across something that I did wrong, that I will make a public apology. One of the listeners wrote into listener mailbag, and I appreciate his feedback, um, asked me a question. And it was on an episode... On most of my episodes, I I like, after I put them in the can, to go back to listen to them just to improve the quality of the material, given the fact that the person putting out the material is pretty flawed to begin with. But that's another story. I realized that at the beginning, um, it was the episode on the seven uh, St. Catherine of... uh, Bologna's Seven Principles of Spiritual Combat. At the beginning of that episode, I went out of my way to to basically complain about how lazy people are today. And then during the episode, I spoke of two books. And I didn't bother to get into any deeper detail than the books. I just... um, one book I massacred the title and um, even though I just recently listened to the episode I can't remember I don't think I gave the author's name and on the other one anyway it doesn't matter I'm not one for excuses I try to be a man of my words so this is my public apology for basically being a hypocrite, because that's what it was, and that's what I was being, and I apologize for that. On a second note, I think from now on, I try to use my thumbnails on the RSS feed to kind of give the potential viewer an idea of the theme or the topic of that episode. So... I've decided tonight that in the future, when I am talking about things Masonically related, I am going to put the Masonic symbol on the thumbnail. That way, those of you who think that, you know, I'm, 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 I'm a crazy person and there's nothing to worry about on that score, don't have to listen if you don't want to. Those of you who may be interested in hearing the content will know that it's, even if I don't mention it directly, and 
I kind of I kind of watch what I say about these kind of things. You will know that it has to do with the Masonic lodges and you know their their uh, and how they run the world. Some days I wish I had more eloquence. Eloquence. So to get on to the topic of the nature of evil. When I talk about this topic, I'm going to be talking about it from a pre-Vatican II Council Catholic perspective. This episode is probably going... Well, I'll, I'll put the disclaimer up front. It may run over an hour. If it does, break it up into chunks. I'll, and if it does run over an hour, I'll put it in the show notes as well. Now, to the pre, or I'm sorry, to the people in the Vatican II sect, because the Vatican II sect is just a bunch of Protestant heretics who think they're Catholic, their opinions on the nature of evil are going to be varied. And because people are individuals, even within my own co-religionists, a set of Acontis, their definition of evil is going to depend on who they are. What do I mean by this? Well, if, if you pay attention to what goes on from the... the sewer that is known as the Vatican nowadays, you will know that Mr. Bergoglio, the pretender-in-chief, is running around talking about environmentalism, homelessness, um, the evils of capitalism. Uh, pick your leftist political viewpoint He's talking about it, and he's calling those moral evils. And when he does this, he is literally putting what, to the larger section of the world who are ignorant, he's misleading them into thinking that the real Catholic Church, um, that these are moral evils. The pre-Vatican II church taught that stuff like homelessness, um, pollution, um, greedy, greedy entrepreneurs ripping off their customers and their employees, these are not more, I mean, they're personal moral evils by the person who commits them. But as far as the world is concerned, these are not, in the worldly sense, I'm trying to say, moral evils. A moral evil is, it can be either personal or it can be 
on a worldwide scale committed by institutions, i.e. government, um, corporate entities, what have you, uh, armies. Oh, before I get too far, I, let me go back a scotch. I was explaining, depending on who you talk to, the people who are really invested in Borges Bergoglio, they will, he could say that the sky's purple. He could go out tomorrow from the Vatican balcony and say, sky's purple. They would swear up and down he was telling the truth. Other people, depending on who they are and where they're at, you know, to uh, maybe from a greater or lesser degree comes out of the pretender in chief's mouth. And those who are actively hostile toward him personally, not the Vatican II Council, which gave us Mr. Bergoglio, they'll dismiss, you know, even if he accidentally spills the truth, as he has on occasion, they'll dismiss it out of hand because it came out of Bergoglio's mouth and, you know, he's the devil incarnate as far as he's their concerned. Me personally... Um, I think Klaus Schwab and Mr. Bergoglio can kind of share the title of co-antichrist, but that's just me, take it for what it's worth. To get back to what I'm saying, though, um, oh, and that goes for Sedevacantis. Uh, well, Sedevacantis, people at large, depending on the source, depending on who they are and where they're at, spiritually, um, their definition of evil is going to vary. Now, prior to the Vatican II Council, the Catholic Church had a very, as I never get tired of saying, objective, meaning it's it's universal and it's it's unquestioned. It's universal and it's uh, it doesn't change with circumstances. That's called subjectivism. But they they had a very definition of evil. I'm going to attempt in my very limited fashion to try as best as I can to sputter out what I'm up those concepts as I understand them to the best of my ability. If anyone has any complaints, don't blame God. Blame his very flawed and very broken messenger. So as far as evil is concerned, there's moral evil, which is theological. And moral evil can either be on a personal level or it can be on a natural level, which means, um, as I said before, the moral evils that governments, corporations commit on a, at, in this day and age on practically an hourly basis. There's also moral evil 
as a they um the true Catholic Church has what is known as um the true Catholic Church has what is known as um moral theology. And moral theology just teaches priests, bishops, anybody, monks. Um it teaches, it gives them, for lack of a better term, it gives them a guideline when they're making um, theological, not just theological calls, but also it gives them a guideline when they're confessing individual Catholics. Um, so, it just it gives them a baseline. And when they write the catechisms, it also they kind of how can I express this? It, they put it in the catechisms so that as we say in America, people in the cheap seats like myself can understand them. In other words, a pleb like myself who's barely articulate can read the catechism and say, okay, this is a venial sin. This is a mortal sin. And along with the priests and the bishops who, who um, write those catechisms, you have the writings of the saints and the spiritual writers for people like myself who want to live a pious and devout life that, they kind of expound on these principles and the spiritual principles which help us to um, expound on the spiritual principles which will help us to live the moral theology in our day-to-day -day lives. Now, real fast, I want to say... Pre-Vatican II Catholic teaching is integrated. That is why before the Vatican II Council, in order for a uh, either a catechism or a spiritual book, any book, if, if you were in the Catholic Church, it needed to have a censor stamp and the approval of a bishop. Because they did not want anybody writing any contradictory information in books that were going out to, 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 to average, regular, everyday Catholics. Now, um... There, there is a whole theology behind why it needed approval from a censor and a bishop. This is not the purpose of this episode. I just wanted to give my listeners a general idea of what I'm talking about. But it's all integrated. So I want to caution very strongly anybody who is either a... Uh, atheist, an agnostic, a Protestant, 
and quite honestly, a Vatican II sect member. Because whether you like it or not, Vatican II sect members, you're not in the real Catholic Church, and the stuff that they're feeding you is what we call in America pig swill. And that's as charitable as I can get. Mm. One other thing. Um, I have been former Protestant and I've also been former Vatican II sect member. So I am well aware of the errors and heresies that get taught in those two, for lack of a better term, belief systems. Because they're not religions. They're... they're at, they're actually belief systems masquerading or philosophies masquerading as religions. And maybe someday I'll do an episode on that as well. But for tonight, we're talking about the nature of evil. But if you attempt, if you're not, if you're not attempting to become a set of a contest or what I call a pre-Vatican II Council Catholic, if you're not attempting to do that, you're not going to get anywhere because you're going to deny the basic truths which these books and teachings are based on. I can't stress that enough. You have to ascend to the... T and when I say ascent, that's just a 10-cent word for saying you have to be willing to accept that the principles outlined in these books are true in and of themselves. And to the institution, i.e. the pre-Vatican II Catholic Church that promulgated these ideas... Um, if you don't do this, it's going to be a stumbling block. Oh, and by the way, part of the pre-Vatican II Council's Catholic Church's, um, its foundation uh, of its truth claims is that it is Jesus Christ's one true church on earth, which I also want to caution you, if you think that you can be a Protestant, you know, ecumenism, anyone can get to heaven, if you're laboring under that delusion, then you can read all the pre-Vatican II Catholic Church's uh, writings about Catholicism and God's truth all you want to, you're going to deny them. It's going to be a stumbling block. Anyhow. So the nature of evil. So there's moral evil. There's moral evil. And this kind of goes along the lines of divine providence. Actually, everything in pre-Vatican II Catholic Church is divine providence. Because if you read the writings of certain spiritual writers and saints, and 
It's in the catechism as well. God permits evil because it furthers his own ends. Since he is God and he made us all, and he made us all, you know, for his purposes, the the moral and personal evils that we experience on a day-to-day existence, he permits them. Now, permitting and um, permitting evil and then looking at it from a natural perspective and thinking, well, God permits evil, therefore he's evil. No. No, that's a natural mindset, which is why I urge people who may be natural-minded to, to get into a spiritual life because... The evil that he permits, not only in the larger or what they call the uh, the bird's eye view of things or the large picture view, advance his agenda, but it's also on a personal level intended for us, you know, everyday um, average Catholics who are trying to be pious and devout to grow spiritually. And even the most horrendous personal evils that we can experience, the death of a loved one, uh, rape, abuse, um, having our lives destroyed financially, all of this is meant for our betterment spiritually. But like I said, all this is integrated. If you're not under the right, number one, the right theology, and number two, if you're not under, in, in the right spiritual mindset, you're not going to understand and it's going to seem arbitrary and unfair to you. And that's one of the biggest heresies of the theology. Well, I'm not going to call it theology, the the belief system of Calvinism. How Calvin explained personal and moral evils of the world was to say, um, predestination. The, the predestinate were the guys who, were, who lived uh, relatively untroubled lives and they were going to heaven and the reprobates were the guys where everything in their life was going wrong and they were reprobates. God had made them that way at the very beginning and they were intended from hell from the very beginning. And the converse is true about what they call the elect, the people who are getting to heaven because their lives were going well. That, that was a sign of God's favor and they were going to heaven. That's all it means. No amount of posturing on the behalf of those who are under this mindset is going to change the facts of the matter. Go back and read Calvin's Institutes if you don't believe me. It's it's a very naturalistic explanation as as to why good and evil exist in, or I'm sorry, evil exists in the world.
But anyway, I've I've ranted and railed about Calvinism in my previous podcast. I'm not going to get into this. So, since God is our author, our maker, and he created everything in existence, everything that happens, not just in our life, but once again from the large perspective, is done with his purposes in mind. Therefore, he he permits evil to happen, not just in our personal lives, but on a large scale for his own purposes. This is not sadism. This is not hatred. This is not arbitrariness. For those of you who are under that uh, erroneous idea, I strongly advise you to read some pre-Vatican II teaching on divine providence. Because without that understanding, everything is going to seem random. It's, it's going to seem like an accident. Nothing happens, as I never get tired of saying, that God does not permit. Now that brings me to a second point. Satan himself and the, the demons underneath him can do nothing without God's permission. So, I want to take the Great Reset, for example. I never get tired of trying to tell my co-religionists, wake up. Vatican II, the Vatican II heretical council was done through God's will, with his permission. He does not approve of that heresy. He allowed it to happen to punish the Catholic Church the uh, the broad organization that is the Catholic Church for its lukewarmness and its worldliness, just like he per- permitted the Protestant revolt back in the 16th century for the same purpose. It's the same thing with the Great Reset. You can band together with your little band of buddies and have your little Senate of a Contest community If harm and destruction are intended for you, there is nothing you can do to stop it. No amount of romanticism, no amount of naivete is going to change that fact. No amount of following the worldly politics of today is going to change that fact. Because, ipso facto... If the devil is the prince of this world, and I guarantee you he is, that is why he is called that, and he cannot do anything on this earth which God has not already allowed, no amount of what you attempt to do naturally is going to stop whatever is going to come your way. Hence, getting right with God, finding the right church, and when I say the right church, I'm talking the pre-Vatican II Catholic Church, and getting as best as you can right with God, not just, you know, because I I bumped into this mindset, well, well, the Great Tribulation might not happen for 150 years. We don't know when. 
It doesn't matter. You could slip and fall in the bathtub tonight and break your neck. Guess what? You die in that state, you're fixed. Unless you get a, 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 a special grace from God to get into uh, to purgatory, your will is fixed. So, this is why getting yourself spiritually prepared is important. People tend to overthink it, as most moderns do, and you know, they, they try to figure out the whys and the what's and the wherefores. That part does not matter in the larger scheme of things. On a personal level, it matters that you that you only concentrate on a close spiritual relationship with our Lord and his blessed mother because you could die. The timing does not matter. I really get tired of wasting my breath on this. The timing doesn't matter. If the, green, if, 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 if the maniacs at the World Economic Forum decide that they're going to launch nukes within the next five minutes, it isn't going to matter. What matters is what your relationship is with our Lord Jesus Christ at the moment of your death which could come at any time. I, I, I tried, I had an episode called Keep It Simple, Stupid. And by the way, this is not me bagging on people. It's a literal acronym here in the States. As it means is, keep it simple. Don't overthink things. When you live inside your mind with no reference to your spiritual state, and once again, I'm going to get in um, in a minute. I'm going to explain what I'm talking about. But if you live in your mind and you over-intellectualize everything, you're just... You're not helping yourself personally because your relationships with other people are going to suffer. Your relationship with God is going to suffer. And your relationship with the people around you are going to suffer because you're going to be constantly, and I will say out of ignorance, you're going to constantly be looking for motivations, hidden motivations, uh, hidden slights, whatever it is. If you're the type that overthinks on the natural level, the only advice I can well, on a natural level, try to try in, in whatever your outlet is books, movies, whatever, my best advice is, on a natural level, try. Try to interact with a human being on their level. Try, I'm not saying have beers and party with people. I'm saying try to, try to, to see how, just be quiet, listen to them talk, and see how they think. 
and try to enter into your let it enter into your consciousness that people are human beings and human beings are just like you are i mean if you're overthinking things probably not in that regard but in other things they get cold they get hungry horny you know drunk But on a spiritual level, I would suggest and I'll get to that too in a minute. On a spiritual level, try deepening your relationship with our Lord and His Blessed Mother through prayer. Through prayer. I can't speak for anyone else. The rosary has been invaluable to me. Multiple saints have said, if you can't pray, do the rosary. That in and of itself is a prayer. And this leads me to the second point. If you're trying to be pious and devout for the love of all that is holy, get the stuff that are your distractions, or what I call your distractions, out of your life. You're not going to get the holiness if you're just if you're constantly reading secular books, watching secular movies, doing secular hobbies, you're not going to do it. Now everybody is an individual and we all must do the best we can. I do realize this. Um but you gotta work on weaning yourself off of the stuff that is a distraction. As best as you can. It's I said this in an earlier episode. If you're going to fast, don't don't sit there and go on a water fast for however long you decide to go on and declare victory. Try start small. You know, um Instead of a water fast, just try to reduce, at first, try reducing the um, amount that you eat. Let's say you three eat three, me three meals a day that are large. My advice is, re for those three meals, try reducing the portions. Once you do that, try reducing the meals. Instead of three, try two. And then, uh, by the way, when you do these things, you have to pray. You have to pray. You have to do your spiritual readings. There's no other way. If you're not doing these things, then you're no better than a secular who's just trying to lose weight. And I use fasting as an example. But, um... Another thing, but, but but you have to pray and read your spiritual writings. And if, if you don't, quote unquote, feel qualified to read the spiritual writers, read your Bible. Read your um, missile. There's a reason I recommended the missile. That there's a reason I put the missile readings in, in my both my podcasts. 
is to give you guys an idea that if you read the day's uh, mass readings for the day, it's filled with, it's filled with spiritual wisdom. And by the way, I am going to get to this concept maybe in an, uh, the next episode about, um, you know, I'm not qualified to read the saints' writings. I'm, I'm not, you know, I'll, I'll get to that. But right now, I want to talk about the nature of evil. But what I'm saying here is, is keep it simple. You know. Lower the amount of food that you intake and lower the amount of meals first. But you got to pray. You got to, you know, do some sort of spiritual reading. Once you get to that, if you decide to make a sacrifice for the conversion of the lukewarm and the unbelievers, give something up. Give something up that's legal, but may not be necessarily against Catholic teachings. Instead of giving up meat for Lent, how about giving it up altogether? If you're a gourmet, how about eating pl uh, plain food? Or just salt and pepper? There are many sacrifices that you could do. Anyway, and I, I totally ran away from the concept of evil. <laughs> but without a spiritual life, you're not going to have the understanding of why God permits evil. And that's what he does, is he permits it. But also, too, you're not, everything is going to seem random, confused, and, you know, it's not going to make sense. Now, one of the great spiritual writers, in my opinion, called Father Jean-Pierre de Cassade, wrote in his very excellent book, can't recommend it a month, enough, Self-Abandonment to Divine Providence, talks about it is not up to us to, to know the whys. In other words, what's going to happen, why it's happening, how it's... Our job is to just, on an individual level, live our day-to-day -day existence, working on improving ourselves and our relationship with our Lord and His Blessed Mother to be united with them both. That's it. But... Um, you know, I take that back. Um, earlier I said I was going to do an episode on people who think that they somehow or another can't read saints books because it's above their pay grade and they're just simple folk and they don't feel like they, I've covered that ad nauseum. I've given Father Bernard Utley's, uh, uh, podcast series on um, uh, Norvis Ordo Watch on, on, on certain podcast platforms. And it, this was back in 2015. I, I've, I've done enough of that. 
I, I promise myself I'm not going to repeat myself. If you can't keep up or if I'm being impatient and you're doing the best you can, then it's God's will. But I put the material out there. You know, I just did a recent episode where I said they wouldn't have written the saints books for basically less educated people than are running around or quote unquote less educated people that are running around or I'm sorry, we're running around than are now. These people, you know, all trust me, I do my, my spiritual reading. This is written for the most part in every day. Oh, very understandable English. And as I said, if you're if you're actively looking for excuses for why you can't do some spiritual reading, that's on you. It's your soul, it's 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 literally your soul and your your eternity that's at stake. If your eternity isn't important enough. To do a little spiritual reading, that's on you. Now, am I saying that I get a joy and a glee? And by the way, neither does God of people going to hell. No, I don't. But at the end of the day, you are an individual with free will. It's your choice. It's like the guy who goes at the bar, drinks himself silly till closing time and gets behind the wheel of his car. You know, you could try to say, hey, buddy, give me the keys. I'll call you a cab. Don't drive. But if he's bound and determined to drive, his decision. You've done your part. And quite frankly, that's my attitude. I see a lot of people who spiritually are the drunks who drink themselves silly at a bar or a drug addict. And... They get in a car. I don't want to see him get in an accident. I want to especially don't want to see other people get hurt. And I don't want to see them die. But at the end of the day, all I can do is say, hey, buddy, give me the keys. Let me call you a cab. It's a really simple concept. There's no need to overthink this. But on the nature of evil, On a personal level, on a personal level, Satan allow, or I'm sorry, God allows Satan to give us tri- what, what they call in the spiritual life trials and tribulations. Some of it's minor, a minor annoyance, and other trials and tribulations are massive, a divorce, financial ruin. But without the correct spiritual understanding, you're going to misreact. And I want to make this clear. I've made this clear in the past. That's what I suffered from. As I've said previously, my life compared to uh, uh, certain people hasn't been that bad. But um, for me... It was absolutely atrocious. 
And I, I thought God hated me. And since he hated, you know, I thought he hated me, my, my attitude followed. Oh, you're going to hate me? Oh, return to favor. Not to the extent that I became like this stupid atheist who go on social media and preach that God, God is the sky daddy and blah, 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 or becoming a quote, unquote, Satanist. But at one time, I hated God, not his blessed mother, because she didn't factor in with every fiber of my being. And it was through his grace where I can actually, I'm the person, and I'm hoping, Lord willing, I, I get even better than this. Because I guarantee you, my attitude now is a, a lot better than it used to be. But anyway, if you don't understand divine providence, your attitude spiritually and naturally is going to suffer. Not just your attitude, your way of thinking. But nothing on a personal and, and, and on a large scale. Stuff like the Holodomor, the, um, the concentration camps in Germany, the gulags in Russia, the re-education camps in China and Vietnam, all that stuff. The, the political prisoners in Cuba... All that stuff has been permitted for by God on a large scale. He allows Satan to do this. But the important part to remember is, since everyone, let me, let me try to run this by you and see if this seems like a simple concept. If everybody has free will, and everybody has a choice in how they're going to behave and what they're going to believe. And God is the author of time and space and knows from the very get-go what a person's how a person's going to act and what they're going to believe. Is it unreasonable to assume that on a most natural level? because this was my attitude when I was a secular, was that, well, we have free will. So the concentration guards, the KGB, um, the soldiers who committed mass atrocities, the French Revolution, the Spanish Civil War, the American Civil War, the American Revolution, everybody had a free, they, they were using their free will. So, to make it, to, to, to try to put what I just said in the best context I can, when, when mass atrocities happen, it's just a bunch of evil people who are using their free will to commit those atrocities. And I've stated this on another episode. Part of the reason why God allows Satan to basically um, allow trials and tribulations in our life 
is so that we do not get attached to being on earth, that we direct our attention toward him and his blessed mother. Let's just say you live to be 100 years old, and that's a pretty rare thing, but let's just say you live to be 100. 100 in the span of God's eternity is it's a blink of an eye. It's a heartbeat. It's a breath. So let's just say you live 100 years and you live the absolute most, des uh, not desolate, um, hard life imaginable. You're filled with all sorts of diseases. Every sort of personal evil that could come your way has for 100 years. Up until the minute you die. Guess what? In God's eternity, that's a heartbeat. That's a breath. It's nothing. That's why you should die in the right spiritual state. Because if you, if you are blessed to get to heaven, everything, I, I mean everything that's ever happened to you on earth, it's... It's not even going to be a memory. Not even a, a vapor of a thought. Oh, oh, was on earth. Uh, it's not even going to be that. You're going to forget all about it. Everybody that you ever knew on earth, all the things that ever happened on earth, you're going to forget about. You're literally going... Not only by becoming a true Catholic are you going to become, un well, if your intentions are pure and right, not only are you going to become a new man, but once you die and you're blessed enough to get to heaven, in heaven you're going to be an entirely different being. You're not going to be the same uh, Tom Jones or Dick Smith or... Jane Doe or uh, Rosanna Arquette. Yeah, I know I'm using an actress there, but you get my point. You're not going to be that same person. You're going to be completely and utterly a new person. So don't, it's a waste of time worrying. And that's another thing about divine providence. It is literally a waste of time worrying about things you have no control over. And I came across this concept while reading a spiritual book last night. And I had never even thought of this. Let's just say that you're a good, honest, decent person and you get fired unfairly or... You're just minding your own business and some rando smacks you in the face. You didn't do anything to deserve to get fired. You didn't deserve to get smacked. But that's God's providence. Don't worry about the hot... The, well, my advice is it's going to make your life a heck of a lot simpler if you don't worry about the whys and what fors. Just move on. You know, pray for the people who, you know, that's why Jesus in the gospel told his, not just his followers, his disciples and his apostles. Pray for those who do evil to you. 
pray for them. A word. But, so you have evil, you have moral evil, and then on an individual level, you have personal evil, i.e. getting fired unfairly, um, a, a wife who cheats on you, takes the kids and milks you for everything that you've got. You've got... Um, what, what, I don't remember the expression I used earlier uh, in this episode, but you you have, um, oh, thank you, Mother Mary Lord, corporate evil, governments, or, um, corporations, you have corporate evil. You're going to save yourself a lot of hassle, for lack of a better term, if you just worry about what you're doing and your relationship with our Lord and His Blessed Mother. You know, I am, well, I'm not surprised. When I was growing up, and I'm a Gen Xer, an older Gen Xer, I grew up in the 70s, and one of the favorite refrains, you know, because how kids are, you would say, oh, life's not fair. And you're, you know, the adult would tell you, well, grow up, kid. Life's never been fair, never will be fair. Now, granted, in the majority of cases, it was probably said in the natural sense, but like all things else, there's a grain of truth to it. On earth, nothing is fair, nothing will ever be fair. And getting PO'd or worried or upset about it is going to change it. All you can control is you. And one last, well, no, I said I was going to go. Uh, I was going to keep going until the inspiration is passed. Let's talk about returning evil for evil. Now, I mentioned in a previous episode that I hoped I would die before I came face to Klaus Schwab, face to face. And I said that for a very good reason. And the good reason is you don't return evil for evil. Number one, because God is God. No matter how in ingenious my tortures of him would be it's nothing compared to an eternity in hell but number two our Lord instructs us and not just our Lord St. Paul the Apostle all the uh, apostles and the saints throughout time and the church fathers have written don't return evil for evil this is where historical ignorance comes in of Catholic of Catholic history. The Roman martyrs, they, they were fairly numerous. If they really wanted to, they could have banded together, formed a, a small army, and fought the pagan Roman government who was trying to martyr them. Now, since I have or am in the process of reading the history of the Catholic Church, that didn't happen. 
They followed our Lord's example, our Lord's example, and allowed themselves to be martyred because that is what he instructed. On a personal level, when I say personal, I'm talking about you, your own personal level. If somebody hits you, if they fire you for no good cause, if they cheat you, if they, um, whatever, whatever, you know, like I said, divorce you, take the kids and soak you for alimony, don't return the evil back. Because if they die in that state, they're de- nothing you do while on earth is going to do to them what God, well, what God is going to allow Satan to do to them in hell. And that's what makes hell so evil. Is because in hell, Satan and his demons have free reign. Right now, while they're on earth, he is the prince of this earth, but he can't do things without God's permission. There's a reason why if you read certain writers, they say that Satan won for him a kingdom in hell. And the way they put it, it depends on the writer, but for the majority of them, oh, he really stuck it to God. He got his own kingdom. <laughs> Satan is still full of rage and hate toward God. He's not going to be happy when he finally it gets sent to hell for eternity. He's not going to be happy. And guess what? Those people who go to hell are going to experience the full fury and hatred of him and his lesser demons for eternity because they can't reach God. He's already taken care of that. So they're going to take it out on the souls that they can get a hold of. Once again, that's why he tries to take as many people with him to hell as possible. He knows he can't get at God. And even if he could, he already rebelled against him one once and lost. Satan's not stupid. He knows he can't do anything. But he can tempt as many of the human beings that he hates as much as he hates God into going to hell with him for all eternity and taking out that pent-up rage against them. Which, by the way, I covered in uh, my first Random Thoughts episode on St. Longinus' uh, Baptism Podcast. But don't, don't return evil for evil. And to a person with a natural mindset, or as they say in Sedvacantism, a worldly mindset, this sounds crazy. Well, I'm just supposed to allow the New World Order to lock me up in a camp and torture me to death? If that's God's will, yes. If God gives you a grace that you can escape or revolt or rebel, you know, that's God's will. But before you can assume it's God's will, you have to have the spiritual understanding of what God wants from you personally. I repeat, personally. But yes, yes, that's why I say, get rid of the junk. They had an expression in AA, stinking thinking. That's stinking thinking. Oh, 
I'm gonna, I'm gonna raise a revolt. Blah 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 blah. That's think that's that's not spiritual. That's why when Peter, when Jesus told his uh, apostles, "I'm going to be arrested and I'm going to be put to death," and and Peter, out of his naivete and worldliness, said, "No, no, no, we won't allow it, Lord. We won't allow it." And he said, "Get behind me, Satan." You're not thinking spiritually. You're you're thinking, you know, you're 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 thinking in the natural sense. Obviously, I'm uh paraphrasing, but that's basically what he told them. And he did say, "Get behind me, Satan." Because Peter was thinking naturally. And you, you know, especially you said of a contest who think that, well, I don't want my wife and my family to, to go to a uh, to a death camp. Does anybody? Does anybody? Unless unless you're the most hateful individual in the world, nobody wants to see their loved ones get uh, locked up in a death camp to die. But if that's God's will, it is His will. His will be done, not. Ours, not our will be done. His will be done. Now, I think this, I think it's time to wrap up. I realize in previous episodes I have said this is why I take my co-religionists to task because they should know better. But given today's society and culture as it is constituted, I think in my own way I'm being uncharitable. And because people are individuals, I don't know what the Lord puts into me and how I say it, how it's affecting individual people. So can I really get mad at my fellow co-religionists if they want to have uh, their own little enclaves where they think that they're going to be safe from the new world order? Can I really get mad at my... And by the way, these are not rhetorical questions. I'm serious. Can I really get mad at this at the at the set of contest YouTubers who are talking about non-essential stuff, as I put it, literally whistling past the graveyard because um they they can't get it they either don't know the threat or free, Freemasonry or they underplay it for whatever reason. I can't get mad at I mean, if I'm trying to be pious and about, I can't get mad any more than they can get mad at me when my tone turns ranty or derisive or sarcastic or mocking. See, once again, I'll remind my audience. I don't claim to be a saint. I'm trying, but I don't, I'm not nearly there yet. So it's all about, we understand 
I think if I, uh, to put the true Catholic attitude in perspective, we don't, we understand people's faults, but we don't excuse them if we can. There's a difference. You know, when, when certain prelates are teaching air on a public platform, and they're one of the most well-known prelates of Sedipacontism, we understand that he's a human being just like everybody else, and he's subject to his own heirs, but we don't excuse him. And we try to correct the situation if we're in a position, in the case of a bishop, to correct the issue. Anything less than that is not just failing ourselves, because everything has consequences. If we have that type of situation, we're not only failing ourselves, we're failing our co-religionists, but most of all, we're failing God and His Blessed Mother. Just because, and I'm about ready to wrap up, just because God permits evil does not mean He does not raise up individuals not just to call out the evil, but to try to correct the evil. And that's something, if you're a Vatican II sect Catholic, that you should try to think about. It's not an unreasonable idea. But, you know, the council's heretical. Your popes have been heretical. You don't tacitly say, even if you disagree and think, man, this is heretical. You don't tacitly agree by sitting on your thumbs doing nothing because, oh, I'm just a layman. I can't say nothing. Once again, it boils down to initiative and using your initiative and, and, and spiritual understanding. I am, since I'm already past an hour, I'm going to try to be as brief about this as possible. To those of you who are under the misapprehension or the misunderstanding that somehow or another that you can't read spiritual writings. You can't do um, things on your own because you don't have the authority. God gave us initiative. God knows us better than we do ourselves. If we're doing the best we can with what we've been given... We not only will we go stronger, stronger spiritually, but we will also um the things will grow closer to our blessed Lord and our blessed Mother. But if you're if you're trying to find reasons why you can't do things, you're just making excuses. We're not called to make excuses. We're called to, to do something. And like I said, I'm not saying do great things. You know, paratroop into Klaus Schwab's compound 
or for that matter, the Vatican, and put a bullet into Schwab and Mr. Bergoglio. Do what you can with what you've been given. But it's, it's a wrong spiritual mindset if you're thinking that you can't at least do some spiritual reading. Now, one last thing, and this is going to be it. Part of doing spiritual reading is praying. Praying. If, this is an if, because I remember one of the biggest bugaboos I had as a Protestant was, was I was always encouraged, just talk to God like you would talk to yourself. And by the way, I wouldn't advise, well, I'm, <laughs> I wouldn't dare talk to God like I talk to myself. But anyway, just a joke for my uh, foreign listeners. That's just a joke. Um, I work better off of a prayer book. There is no spiritual teaching that I can see or have seen so far that says that you can't read out of a prayer book. If you can't, if you're like me and it's difficult to put into words to our Lord and his blessed mother, what, what's going on, buy a prayer book. It's my advice. This is what I did. I bought a prayer book and then I marked the prayers that really spoke to me and I used those prayers. But at the very least, if you're Catholic, pray the rosary. And no Vatican II sect members, leave that garbage of the luminous mysteries out of it. Pray the traditional rosary, the sorrowful, the joyful, and the glorious. And do it as often as you can. And don't worry. I can't stress this enough. Don't worry if at first if you haven't prayed the rosary or in my case if you haven't prayed it in like almost 10 years if you're rusty if you're making this just do it and if necessary once again keeping it simple don't do an entire rosary if you're unable to do take it in steps take one decade do one decade then when you feel like you could do more, move it up. None of the things I'm discussing here, and here's the thing, people, well, moderns, moderns, and when I say moderns, I'm not being like my co-religionists and painting everybody but myself as a modernist. I'm a modernist too. And I'm subject to the flaws and failings of everybody that is born into this society and culture. But we got to make things more difficult, more complicated, and more grandiose than they have to be. Once again, I hate quoting progressives, but in this case, they are correct. They always say, think locally, act globally. Now, obviously, they're progressives and, and they're thinking it from a natural viewpoint. What, how I would rephrase the term is, think privately, 
And when you get to a certain point, think on a larger level, whatever your set of circumstances may be. So now it's time to wrap up. If you've given me over an hour of your time, I thank you. I thank you sincerely and gratefully. Thank you for your time and your patience. And thank you in general. And before I do the rest, I have given... There, there are two there are two podcast notes that give my email address. If you have questions, if you if you have topics, whatever is on your mind, I when I say I'm trying to foster audience interaction, I mean what I say. Feel free. I mean it. When I see the email, I will try to respond to it as quickly as I can, circumstances permitting. But I want to encourage you. I've got social media, not just embedded. Well, I've got my social media contacts in the podcast notes themselves. When I say the podcast notes, I'm not talking about the show notes. I'm talking about the literal podcast notes that are at the beginning of my podcast platform. You know, visit them. Now, I know I come across like the cranky... The cranky old man yelling at the kids to get off his lung sometimes. As I said previously, I'm not that person... I'm not that person all the time. To people who actually know me, they would tell you I'm a very reasonable person and I make every effort to be reasonable. If you just want to email me and say hello or tell me I suck or I'm doing a good job, feel free. I want to build a rapport with this audience because whether you realize it or not, you guys are the reason I do this. I've been doing this for over a year now. And I don't chill. I would like to get some support for what I do, but it's not the bottom line. The bottom line is I want to I want to reach people as best as I'm able to. And honestly speaking, you know, I don't getting donations would be nice, but it's not the bottom line. My bottom line is is I want to build relationships with people who are actually interested in the concepts that I talk about in both of these podcast platforms. Because, and this works into the, the, the mission, my mission from God, is to point you guys in the right direction. I would like to see as many people get to heaven as possible. And I'm praying for you guys. Take it for what it's worth. 
Once again, though, not only do you have to be willing to accept the graces from God that he gives, you have to be able to recognize them. And that's what these two podcasts are all about. So, thank you for your time. I mean it. For your time and your patience. A hearty, heartfelt, and sincere God bless you. Have a good day. Bye-bye. Where would we be without the ability to let our minds wander? And where could we go if our emotions were submerged down under our souls? Genetic wisdom.